And this is our opportunity this morning to freely, without persecution, without fear of missiles and bombs and all that kind of thing right here, we get the opportunity to praise him, to consider his word together, to fellowship together, to pray uh, without fear, and to take full advantage of it. And one of the things we want to, as we already prayed for our, our staff and, and, and fellow believers in Ukraine this morning, and our, our Send Relief staff and other missionaries that are, that are serving, we also want to pray for our, our sister church within our own association here, uh, New Life Church um, over on Old Atlanta Road. Um, which is made up mostly of Ukrainians. And most of them have families that are still still there. I was talking to their pastor this week, and he still has a brother and sister and their families and, and grandkids and all those people. He said at one point this week, um, where they live right up by the Russian border, they saw right down their road over 100 tanks just drive right by their house. And, and so they're obviously you know praying for their relatives, and we're, we're going to pray for them this morning, uh, taking advantage of this opportunity that we have to praise Adonai together uh, at this time in this place for the, the freedom that God has given us. We're going to use it uh, for him and, and for, for his church. Uh, we're also going to pray for the, our Russian brothers and sisters in Christ uh, caught in this mess, you know, believers in Christ now, many of them probably a part of the protesting that's going on in various cities in Russia against the, the actions uh, of Putin and, and that government. And so we're going to pray for them as well. So let's bow together as we pray freely and boldly. Heavenly Father, what a blessing to be able to sing loudly this morning our praise to you. Knowing that you are the God of your word. You are the God who has made us and who has redeemed us and is using us now to shine brightly to see others come to faith in Christ. And Father, we know that these difficulties that we're facing, wherever they might be, and right now we're focused and really thinking about the, the difficulties in Ukraine and, and the conflict with Russia. Uh, Father, we, we know that you're still the Lord. And we know that you're using this to do your work, to accomplish your plans. And so we humble ourselves before you this morning and ask that your will would be done. And we ask, as you've also told us, to make our requests known to you. We we pray that you would change um, Putin's mind. That you would discourage him greatly and, and just cause him to give up whatever it is he's trying to do. That he would stop the killing, that he would stop the assault. And Father, if he doesn't, we pray that you would remove him somehow uh, from that position of power. Because we know what your will for countries is. Your word tells us clearly that you want people to be able to praise you, to be able to, to pray to you, to be able to live quiet, peaceful lives in all godliness and holiness. And we know that's your desire in Russia and Ukraine. And we pray that you would accomplish that. And we pray for New Life Church here in our own community. We pray for them as they try to help in any way they can, but especially as they continue to pray as well that you'd encourage them, that you'd strengthen them, that you'd comfort them. We pray for the protection of their families. And then, Father, we, we pray that you would help us to take full advantage, not just on Sundays, 
but to take full advantage of the opportunities that you've afforded us here in this country. To use the gifts that you've given us, the the resources that you've given us, to, to encourage, to share, to equip, to provide for those who are in these critical situations. And also, Father, that we would be bold in our witness, that we would be unashamed to identify with you and what you've done in our lives through your son, Jesus, that we'd be proud to let other people know that they can also have that hope that only comes through him. And Father, we're so thankful that we've had an opportunity in various ways, but especially those few years ago when the Ukrainian chaplains were here sharing their testimonies with us. Father, we thank you that we were able to encourage some men who are now encouraging others in a very difficult situation. And we pray that you'd shine through them and that many, many people uh, within the Ukrainian army would come to faith in Christ during this very dire and difficult circumstance. And we pray for those men who, who were trained to be bold in their faith, that they would continue to share the hope that's in Jesus Christ. We thank you for that hope. We thank you that we possess it because you live in us by the power of your Holy Spirit, all of us who believe in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, let's consider the Lord Jesus Christ again this morning as we look at the Gospel of Mark chapter 1. And... As Mark told in his, in his writing of this gospel that his, his intention is to share the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And what a privilege for us to be able to look into the pages of this gospel and see what God has prepared for us to know about his Son through this, this great writing uh, that his servant um, and, and also not only the servant of God, but the servant of the Apostle Peter in particular, that John Mark was the writer of this letter. And so much of his perspective probably comes uh, through the experience of the Apostle Peter. And we see Peter introduced in the letter in the section that we're in, or in the gospel now in Mark chapter 1, starting with the 14th verse. After John was put in prison... That's speaking of John the Baptist. Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God or the gospel of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news or the gospel. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee... He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once, they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men 
and followed him. I'm so thankful this morning for this word, for this description of our Lord Jesus, and for the commonality that we share with these early believers in Jesus, these early apostles, or they weren't apostles yet, these early disciples. They were just starting out in their, in their discipleship, just starting out in their, in their following of Jesus. And, and it's so exciting for me that we have the opportunity this morning through the word of God to share in the same exact things, not, not exact in every way, but, but the major things, the exact same things. And I'm thinking first of what Jesus was doing just before he called these guys. The same thing that we do. The same thing that he's gifted us and, and enabled us to do. Look what he says. He came proclaiming the good news of God, the, the gospel of God, which was all wrapped up in who he is. As he was describing himself as the, as the way to the kingdom. That's why he was able to say to them, the kingdom of God is near. It's, it's me. It's through faith in me. Repent and believe this good news. Repent. Remember, as we talked about that, that was the, the message of John the Baptist as he was baptizing people to pre- prepare them for Jesus' coming. He says, repent. Turn away from your, from your evil. Turn away from your sins. Get things right with God and believe the good news of God, the gospel, that God himself sent his son to come into this world so that through him, through believing in him, we can have eternal life. We can be a part of the kingdom of God. Oh, the kingdom that's going to come, that these particular um, four disciples that, we're going to be introdu- that we've been introduced to this morning, these guys are going to have a special place in that kingdom, but so are we. And it all comes through Jesus, the Son of God, that Mark tells us he's, he's telling us about here. This Son of God has come to do something significant, something amazing for us that's going to make a difference in our lives, not just now. And we need him to make a difference in our lives right now through the things that we're facing, through the things that we're going through. Again, we think of our brothers and sisters in Russia and in Ukraine who are going through all kinds of very difficult times. So are we in different ways. Different degree maybe, different level. Not publicized, not, not shared by the whole world through, you know, through news reports and those kind of things. But we have our, our issues. We need Jesus in our lives today to do the things that we're doing right now. But the, the best part of this good news, the best part of this gospel is that it's eternal. When we, when we believe in Jesus, when we believe this message about the Son of God, we receive him, and in him we receive eternal life. I love the, the way that the Apostle Paul uh, put it in Romans 6.23. And I quote this verse a lot because it was this verse that once I understood it, that I personally believed in Jesus. Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin is death. That's where the repentance part of this message comes in. That's why Jesus and John the Baptist said, repent. You've got sin in your life. You're a sinner. You've been in rebellion against God. You need to turn away from that. You need to admit that and and give that up and say, I'm done with that. 
because the wages of sin is death. If we don't, if we decide just to hang on to our sins and go our own way, then we're going to receive the, the judgment of that. We're going to die, not only physically, but we're going to be separated from God for eternity and never have hope. That's the wages of sin. That's what we deserve because of our sin. But the next part of the verse says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God, not the wages. The wages that we, the, the only wages that we can earn with God are death because of our sin. But we can receive something from Him when we believe in Him. When we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can receive something from Him. We can receive the gift of God, which is eternal life. He wants us to live forever, not in the same condition that we're in right now. Some of you are thinking, if I had to live like this forever, I don't know what I'd do. Well, we don't. We don't because all of the things that make this experience that we're, that we're in right now difficult and hard and discouraging, all of those things are going to be removed in eternity. But in the meantime, in the meantime, we have hope for that which is coming. That same hope that the Lord Jesus had as he, as he walked through all of these things. The writer of Hebrews summarizes the, the end of his life in a, in a way that helps us understand that, that looking forward to that hope, where he says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the Father. I love that phrase, for the joy set before him. He was able to look past the difficulty that he was going through. And it was a real difficulty. Carrying the, carrying the weight of all the sins of the world. Remember, he could do that because he was sinless. As we see this, this description of him in the Gospel of Mark, we're going to see that Jesus never committed sin. That, that's one of the things that, that makes him unique among, among all men, of all mankind. As the God-man, as the Son of God and the Son of Man, he was able to live this life without sin so that when he went to the cross, he was able to take upon himself our sins. And he was able to do that because he looked beyond it and saw the joy that was going to come because of the work that he was doing on that cross. This is one of the things that we think of when we look at the symbol of the cross that's hanging up here to remind us that he suffered for us because he looked past what was going on in his own life at that moment for what was going to happen for all eternity. And one of the things that he saw as he saw that joy that was set before him was people like us, created by him. Remember, each one of us, created by him in, in his special way of bringing, of bringing people into this world. He does that creation. He's the one that gives us life. And he gives us a purpose in that life to honor him, to serve him. And when one of us puts our hope in him, that brings great joy to him. He saw that. He saw all of us coming to faith in him because of what he was doing. And that gave him the strength, that gave him the courage, that gave him the stamina, that gave him the hope to keep on going in the midst of that difficulty. And we get to continue to, to, to walk through this life in the same way recognizing that he has something great for us. He starts showing that in his calling of these disciples. 
And this is, this is so strong to think of, of the, the impact that he was having on these four men's lives on this particular day when he's walking along the Sea of Galilee and he calls out to them, hey, Andrew, Peter, come on, let's go. I'm going to make you fishers of men. You're good at catching fish. I'm going to help you catch men. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a better job than you've got right now. Now, understand this. He didn't say this all yet. Eventually, he was going to tell Peter, now, you're, you're going to go through some tough stuff for me. At the end of the Gospel of John, he says, Peter, when you were young, you used to dress yourself, and go where you wanted to go. But when you're older, somebody else is going to dress you, and they're going to lead you somewhere where you don't want to go. And then John describes that, that, that little conversation by saying this. In saying this, he was indicating the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. That relationship, which was starting right here, was going to end with Peter glorifying God in his death. We don't, we don't like to think of that kind of thing. We don't, we don't like to, we, you know, when we think about glorifying God, we don't think of dying, but we should. Because to glorify God starts with dying. It starts with, with an attitude like Andrew and Peter had. Now, they had an, they had an opportunity that, that none of us have. Most of us, when God calls us to follow him, we get to stay in our, in our current job, in our current situation. But these guys, to follow Jesus, because Jesus was physically present in the world, they had to follow him. They had to physically follow him. They had to hang out with him. That means they had to quit their jobs or leave them at least, go on a uh, sabbatical. And that's what they did. And it was going to be a costly trip. They'd find those things out later as Jesus continued his teaching and kept, and kept growing them and, and, and encouraging them. But it was going to be a costly trip. It was going to cost them everything. But they were going to have the opportunity in following Jesus. They're going to have the opportunity now to do something more significant than catching fish, which was, which was great to eat and a great way to provide for their families. They were going to get to do something even more significant. They were going to get to be involved in the catching of men and women, boys and girls. They were going to be fishers of men. He was changing their vocation. Now, they were going to have opportunity at different times throughout their lives to, to do some fishing. But their main purpose, their main vision in life after this moment was to be about this work of telling people about Jesus. Telling people the good news. Remember, that's what the gospel is, the good news. That's what Jesus was talking about. That's what he's going to train them to talk about. That's what he tells us to talk about, the good news. We've got some great news is there anything greater than our, than our good news? 
Well, we can think of some things that would be great to be, you know, to, to be able to announce to people. You know, we would love to be able to, to, to tell everybody right now, Freddie Freeman has re-signed. Okay? Yeah, now that's good news. We would love to be able to, we would love to be able to announce, you know, that right now while we're in church, that Putin's given up and, and he's pulled his troops out. That would be good news. It'd be amazing news. But even that would be nothing compared to the good news that we have to tell. The good news of God, as Mark puts it. I love that phrase. The good news of God. God's love for us demonstrated by his giving of his son. As, as Paul put it in Romans chapter 5, he said, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the good news that Peter and Andrew were going to get to share. And then these other two, as he continues on, he says, when he gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. Same thing, come follow me. He might have also said to them, I'm going to make you fishers of men. He just summarizes here. And he says, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Now that adds a whole other dynamic to death. You ever worked with your dad? And a friend came by and said, hey, come on. We're going to do something. Dad, I got to go. What? Wait a minute. Get back here. Get back here. You're not, you're not going anywhere. But these guys did. They died in a certain respect. They died in following Jesus, in, in, in trusting Jesus. They died to the old man that was tied to the family business and the responsibilities of the family business. They were dying to that. Now, we don't know how, you know, how their relationship with their dad went after that. We don't know. We don't know if he got over it. Maybe he had already heard Jesus preach too and he was already over it. He was glad, he was glad that Jesus was calling his boys. It could have been. We don't know that. could have been he never spoke to him again. There are dads like that too. In Mark, or excuse me, in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus talks about the cost of, of following him, how difficult it can be. And Peter said to, said to Jesus in that chapter, he said, Jesus, we've given up everything to follow you. They, and this is, this is where it started. And Jesus said, you 12 are going to rule over the 12 tribes in the kingdom because you followed me, because you, because you believed in me, because you gave up everything for me. And, and he said, and while you may have lost family in this exchange, you've gained a hundred times as many family. Because once we put our trust in Jesus, we become a part of the body of Christ. And even if it, even if it costs us, and, and for some of you, it cost you family when you put your trust in Christ. For some of you, you, were, you, you may have been disowned by your parents because they didn't want you following Jesus in the way that you're following him, in the way that you're putting your, your full trust in him and, and maybe giving up your trust in the church or giving up your, fa- your, your trust in your family to take care of your eternal needs. Some of you might have literally been, been cut off from your, from your family or friends 
Maybe you lost a lot of friends. Maybe you lost a job or two through the process of following Jesus. You, you know what it means to sacrifice. You know what it means to die to yourself. But you also know what it means to be a part of the body of Christ and instantly have more than 100 times as many brothers and sisters and parents and kids as you had before you met Jesus. So I think Mark points out very clearly in the, in the situation of, of James and John, this was a costly decision they were making. They were walking away from their dad, leaving him with the hired hands to mend the rest of those nets before they could go out and catch that fish, which was what was, what was going to bring in the livelihood for their family. These guys now were down the road. They were, they were doing something even more important. Now remember, these, these are unique individuals. These guys were eventually going to become his apostles, his specially chosen ones, four of the 12. And he, and he mentioned, as I mentioned in, in Matthew 19, mentioned they were going to have special places in the, in the kingdom of God. These are, these are unique guys, but they're also examples for us. Because when we believe the good news, when we believe the gospel, that the only way that we can be forgiven of our sins, the only way that we can be given the gift of eternal life is by believing in Jesus and following him, living life now for his glory instead of for our own. It costs. It costs. It costs money. Not in the sense that, hey, you know, pay up. If you want to get into heaven, you've got to pay up. It's not that, not that at all. But when we follow Jesus, we, we recognize that our stuff isn't just for us. That he gives us so that we can also give. Because that's who God is. He's a giver. And that's who Jesus is. He's the ultimate giver. And the cross is a picture of that. Every time we see it, we should recognize it. He gave himself for us. And so we give ourselves for others. Our lives are not our own now. We thought they were before. They weren't even our own then because we were slaves to sin. But when we put our trust in Jesus, when we turn away from those sins and we ask him to fill us with his Holy Spirit, he takes those things away from us and he makes us the servant of Christ. So we don't live only unto ourselves anymore. We live now for him, just like these four started to do that day when they left their nets, when they left their boats, when they left their families and started following Jesus. We have that same opportunity today. Not, again, not in the exact situation that we're you know, out with the nets and the boats, but we're in our lives. We're, we're right in the middle of our circumstances. And he's saying, come on, come on, come with me. Come with me and I'll make you more significant. I'll make you more important. I'll make what you're doing count for more than what it is right now, doing things your way. First, I'm going to give you the gift of eternal life, and then I'm going to use you to help others also receive that gift because I'll make you fishers of men. That's what he says to us. That's the good news of God, that he can forgive us of all those sins that we're repenting of. And remember, this repentance, this is a one-time thing, and it's a continual thing. We repent, we turn away from our sins when we put our trust in Jesus, and then we continue to repent as we fall back into those things as followers of Jesus. He, re, remember, the, 
remember the goal that he has for us. And that was, that was part of our goal in, in looking at this gospel of Mark. His goal is to make us more and more like Jesus every day. And that means identifying those things that are still hanging on to us or that we're still hanging on to that have no part in our lives. Eliminating those things and, and asking him to help us with that. Encouraging, asking others within the body of Christ to help us with that. We're, we're in this together. But that repentance, while it's a one-time thing when we put our trust in Jesus, it's a continual thing. Every time we read the word of God, we should be ready to repent. Because most of the time we read it, whether it's in you know, service like this or in private reading or in a group reading or whatever, whenever we read the word of God, we see something in there that doesn't look quite like us yet. And that means we need to make a change. That means we need to think differently and turn away from that thing or those things. That's what repentance is. And so I'd encourage you this morning, if you haven't put your trust in Jesus yet, hear the message just as loud and clear as Jesus was giving it from, as we, as we see it in his word this morning. Repent and believe in him. He is the good news. He is the nearness of the kingdom of heaven to us as we put our trust in him. And I would encourage you, don't worry what it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you, but don't let that stop you because this is a wise decision because you're taking care of something that's going to last forever, not just something that's temporary. If James and John said, you know, no, we're going to stay, we're going to, we got to take care of the business here. They might've helped take care of the business, but they would have missed out on the opportunity to be the James and John that we know about and that we're going to see for, for eternity. They might have thought, ah, I, I got I to take care of this temporary business right now. No, they need to take care of eternal business. And that's what you need to take care of this morning if you haven't put your trust in Jesus. And maybe you have. Maybe you, you have believed, but you haven't been living for him. You've, you've gotten caught back up in the temporary, and you've forgotten about the eternal. You forgot that you're a fisher of men now. You forgot that you're living now for the glory of God. Then repent of that. As a believer, we still repent. Repent of that. And remember that your life counts for eternity now. Your life counts for Christ now. And so live your life as one who's going to spend eternity with him. And invest your life and everything about your life in eternity. That's why we take the time not only to think about ourselves when we gather together, but we take the time to think about others because through prayer, we can invest even in, in people that we've never met before. Do you know that the prayers that we're, that we're offering up to God right now for these in crisis at the southern border of the U.S. or those in crisis in Ukraine or Russia or any of the other surrounding countries, do you know as we pray about those things and God works in their lives, that our prayers are counting toward things that are going to last forever. We're even a part of this being fishers of men through our prayers, not just through our verbal witness. And those of you who are following Christ this morning, not only believing, but also living your life for his glory, increase, do it in increasing fashion. Grow in that. Look for opportunities this week to be a fisher of men. Look for those conversations that God's putting you into to be able to say a word about the hope that you have for eternity.
all because of Jesus Christ. It's not complicated. It's very simple. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's bow together for prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for the eternal hope that we have because the same message that Jesus preached is still true today. The kingdom of God is still near and we can still repent and believe the good news. Father, there may be some here or or online with us this morning who haven't yet believed. Oh, they're pretty sure the things in your word are, are true, that they really happened. But they haven't put their trust in the Jesus that your word is talking about. Give them the faith and the courage this morning. Say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in what you said, and I believe in what you did for me. I turn away from a life of sin, and I ask you to forgive me and fill me and use me to do your work. Whatever that might look like with the the person that you've made me, help me to live for you. And Father, those of us who have already said that, we pray that you'd grow us, that you'd remind us, that you'd encourage us, that you'd use us to make disciples of other people who still haven't put their trust in Jesus. Give us the opportunity, even this week, to say something to somebody about what you've done for us and the hope that we have because of you. And we pray that you would work in the lives of those that you put us in contact with, that you'd be drawing them. Even as we ask that you'd be drawing those who are hearing the gospel during the crisis of the, of the, the, the days of, of war in Ukraine and the, and, the, and the terrible conditions of the camps along our southern border and and, in all the other critical places in the world as we pray, we pray, Father, that you would soften hearts that when the gospel comes to those ears that they would be able to receive the grace, the gift that you've given them in Jesus Christ. Prepare those that you'll use us to touch with this great message as you've made us like Andrew and Peter, James and John, fishers of men, It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.